0: to raven debriefs today on the show we're talking with bryant doradea hk aka higher knowledge he's a youth worker activist and multimedia artist who joined raven first for the canned salmon festival in 2021 and more recently brought his storytelling and teachings through hip-hop to our vancouver festival afloat and a show with tia woods on salt spring island
1: hi i am bryant doradea I also go by my hip-hop alias, HK, which stands for Higher Knowledge. Um, I'm a hip-hop artist, a uh, grassroots community activist, an advocate, a youth worker, and just, you know, a fallible human being on on his journey of the red road, you know, going through life, trying to figure it all out. Um, I'm also a poet and a writer. Um, Ancestrally on my mom's side, I have indigenous roots in Colaseu, which is now known as Chile. Um, And indigenous roots in Cuscatan, which is predominantly Western um, El Salvador in Central America. Um, My grandmother is Maya and uh, I have some Ancestry in Europe as well, in Spain and Romania. Yeah, you know, it kind of was like a, a natural step in relationship to do work with Raven. I've done lots of activism and advocacy in the community, especially around issues with marginalized folks and, you know, different indigenous communities as... You know, I live predominantly in East Vancouver and the lower mainland, Metro Vancouver, which is really kind of like a hub for, you know, indigenous nations from all over Yala or Turtle Island or the Americas, whatever you want to call it. Inevitably, the advocacy is around foster care. It's around housing. It's around, you know, addiction. It's around um, all those things and uh, especially around land defense and land issues, right?
0: There are, right now, more Indigenous kids in the social welfare system than were ever at residential school at any given time. It's a reality that has led many to observe that the foster care system is the new residential school for how it pulls kids away from the land and their culture and how it perpetuates the colonization of Indigenous families.
1: I come from an ancestry in central and southern Abiyala that we don't come from residential schools, right? Um, our, our colonization looks a little bit different, but there's kind of an irony that even though my family left those places to escape, you know, the ills and the dangers of colonization and, and war and oppression there, you know, I still ended up in the same place as all the other native kids um, from Canada. I don't think that's by accident. I ended up in this, you know, child welfare to me is kind of like this indigenous youth meat grinder. Yeah, I know it very well, um, the foster care aspect of it, because I grew up 15 years in foster care since I was a little boy until I aged out at 19. Um, And then I spent many years um, doing advocacy and, um, uh, and even part of advisory councils and all sorts of things to do with uh, youth in and from foster care. And then also um, being a youth worker and working with tons of youth, predominantly Indigenous youth, from foster care. So, yeah, from from those perspectives, I, I've just learned that, like, even though Indigenous people represent, like, I think right now it's like between 5 and 10% of the Canadian population, it's like 60, 70% of the kids in foster care are Indigenous. Like, there's a huge overrepresentation, And to me, that's not an accident, just like residential schools weren't an accident, right? Because a lot of those, a lot of their parents were robbed of the, of their villages and of their cultures and their medicines and their healing tactics. Um, they're healing ceremonies to to fix the the issues and the demons that they were struggling with that they they got from colonization and, and residential schools and so because of that um, in part they you know a lot of those kids were their children ended up being apprehended into foster care um, and then you know, a lot of Indigenous communities and parents are then gaslit, like, oh, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, when, when the very system that is, is judging them and apprehending their children is also the same system that caused that problem in the first place, that created that dysfunction. Like, like here's a really messed up full circle moment for you. When I was doing um, contracted work for MCFD, um, I remember being in the office of one of the executives and, uh, you know, they had these books based off of um, like healthy child rearing techniques that were based off of um, indigenous ancestral child rearing techniques. And I just thought it's like this very sick, creepy, full circle moment that you have this system that um, assumed it could do a better job of parenting these kids, yet the literature that they're reading is based off of ancestral techniques that indigenous parents have used for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. He's just that um, Canada was willfully discriminatory to indigenous parents and that many children were apprehended not because of physical or sexual abuse or neglect, but because of matters of poverty. Again, poverty that was created by um, a system of colonialism. You know, it's kind of like this rat trap, you know, it's this It's this this maze where you can't win, that Indigenous people have been put in, in Canada. And not only did they do that, they were caught actually trying to have her blackballed, and they were monitoring all of her social media, and they were doing everything to discredit her, and they were caught doing it, and she sued them and won. Shout out Cindy Blackstock, she's she's, uh, a warrior for real.
0: These are the systems that Indigenous, indigenous peoples indigenous are dealing with when it comes indeed. to accessing and navigating a justice system that for too long was arrayed against them. Raven's work, to raise funds so that nations don't have to exhaust their precious community resources when pursuing justice through the courts, depends on people acting in solidarity with one another and taking leadership from Indigenous peoples who are doing the really hard work of writing colonial injustices. Why should people support this work?
1: I think it's important that we support this the indigenous word, nations. It's kind of, of Canada like when because they a tra- are our relatives as fellow humans of the global family and that many of us have got to benefit off of being able to come here and live our lives here and occupy um the, the indigenous people of these territories. Um, homelands. We've got to benefit so much from it. And they're the reasons why these homelands were so lush. These homelands were so lush. You know, um, our ancestors in the South, actually, you don't want to see just the South, it's the same up here too. You know, our gardens weren't just like these little boxes, our gardens were the entire forest. They were manicured and they were, they were curated in a very intentional way that's why when the Europeans came here they coveted these territories so much because they were like we've never seen anything like this and it was definitely um, an improvement compared to what was happening in Europe and lots of other places that have been um, ravaged by colonialism and a different relationship with the land and so with that in mind it's like look at what's happened in a few hundred years of Devastating, um, our indigenous peoples of Abiyalla of Northern Central and South America, um, it completely have ravaged these territories, the rivers and the drinking water, and uh, many of the 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 animals and like the forest fires and you know global warming and all of that stuff. Right, it's like that's only taken a couple hundred years, and if you think that the destruction is separate for what's happening to the climate and to the land and to our lives that affect all of us um, then you're sadly mistaken it's all interconnected so so yes we should help our neighbor um and i wouldn't even say neighbor that's almost an audacious thing to say neighbor we should help our hosts right because it's there. it's their can i swear Hell yeah. It's their fucking house, like point blank period. You know what I'm saying? But um And because we're not seen psych- things You know of whatever host nation that you're on because every nation's territory is going to be different and how it's supposed to be taken care of then we're gonna fuck up this whole planet um it's very very important that you know we listen to the elders and we listen to the land protectors and we listen to that ancestral knowledge you know what i'm saying and and as again like someone who's settled on these territories Um, I try my best to listen to my Coast Salish, um, Northern relatives and cousins um, just as much as I try my effort to travel back to my Indigenous territories and learn from my elders too and how to take care of those territories. And just one thing I want to say really quickly too about, like, I've been on lots of front lines. um, And I'm not going to act like I'm some hardcore climate frontline land protector because You know, I've definitely been to rallies and tried to use my voice in a good way, but like I just know some deadly warriors that I would not even, I would not insult them by putting myself um, in the same sentence as them. Um, But one thing I will know is a lot of the most badass warriors are actually ex foster kids. And some of them are actually quite young. Like some of them have only just recently aged out. And uh, I'm seeing this. I don't know, maybe I didn't see it before because I was just in a different place in my life, but I'm seeing many, many Indigenous youth from CARE um, aging out and going straight to the front line. I find that interesting. You know, it's almost like they can feel the land calling to them, and maybe because they know what it feels like to not have a voice, maybe that helps them relate, you know, and want to fight to protect. Mother Earth. I don't know. This That's word, what I'm resilience. Thinking,
0: yeah. It's kind of like when people overuse a term like reconciliation, it gets tired. Like, colonial society can't celebrate Indigenous resiliency when it's still actively engaged in doing the oppressing, you know? But when I look at the path you've taken, it's one that just so clearly builds power, not in spite of, but from out of the deep well of your own struggles. Can you talk about how you use some of your learnings to help kids you encounter?
1: So I created a workshop called the Foster so let's Kids let's talk survival about how you're pulling guide. these things together. And I'm in the As midst in- of planning out um, actually a book that I'm going to write with the same title. And essentially how it came to fruition is it's just an answer to a question. You know, I'm like a a statistical anomaly, right? There's so many people, like I. many of my colleagues in youth work and youth services, especially in East Van and Surrey, actually knew me when I was a youth. And I've had multiple people come up to me and be like, I can't even believe you're alive right now. Like, let alone thriving and just doing what you're doing and sober and all this stuff, right? And so... And I do lots of like speaking gigs and performances and I always talk about my story. And so I just countless times I've had social workers and youth workers and parents and foster parents and just all sorts of community members come up to me and were like, how'd you do it? You know, as if like I have like this secret recipe that, you know, well, you know, just add a little bit of spice or something. And uh, I realized that I had to really think about it And also, even when I thought about it, there is no quick, succinct answer that I can give. I can't just tell you in a sentence, you know what I mean? It's just like, you just need more time to explain it. And so, I also believe, like, spiritually, there's so many times it could have went left instead of going right. And so, there's a big aspect of my survival and my success that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with spirit and ancestors and creator really guiding me and protecting me because i'm so fallible i am so ridden of mistakes and foolishness i've i've made all i've done all everything wrong you know what i'm saying and and so me being here is not just a testament of my own you know, uh, intelligence or anything like that. But and I will give myself a little bit of flowers and saying like, yeah, I did make some good decisions and I have fought really hard. But I, but I definitely have to just give that ultimate credit to to spirit. Um, but that being said, um, I've definitely learned a lot on my healing journey, um, and so I created this workshop as an answer to that question. Like these are some of the tools and the things that I've learned on my journey of growing up through extreme abuse and neglect and foster care and gangs and poverty in the streets and cultural disconnection, addiction, uh, familial disconnection, spiritual disconnection, and just facing like so many obstacles and overcoming them. I've definitely learned some things along the way. And so I've kind of created this multimedia workshop where I just talk about my experiences and what helped me in, in the hopes that it can inspire and give some tools to other people um, on, on working through their stuff. You know, sometimes we don't even need to know the specific thing, right? Like sometimes, I think a lot of us actually already know what we need to do. Sometimes we just need permission that we're allowed to do it you know because i i I had big obstacles cognitively in my healing journey around um, me going in a healing direction and and one was am I allowed to heal right am I deserving of healing when I've come from so much darkness am I allowed to come back to the light Part of what this workshop this It's not even just a workshop, like, because I have pictures and videos and I perform poetry and my hip hop songs. It's really just like a full theater. It's just a whole thing. You know what I mean? A whole experience, um, emotional roller coaster. You know, part of it is just saying, if I can do it, you can do it, too. If I'm worthy, you certainly are worthy. You know, and so So let's talk about
0: how you're pulling these things together. As a mentor and healer, you're in the innermost city dealing with the wounds that the city inflicts. Can you talk about some of the indigenous ways of repair, specifically land-based healing that you're learning about and that guide your work?
1: If you if you ask that was legendary Bryant Doradea or HK what it means to be native or indigenous, you're going to get different answers. And so I am just one man comes to his own colonized experience, who's in the midst of decolonizing and trying to connect back to his indigenous roots and and not just indigenous roots, but just my humanity, period. And if you asked me based off of my teachings and what I've learned thus far, and I I have to say, culturally speaking, I'm like a baby. I'm like a baby and I know nothing. So this is just like, you know, asking culturally a toddler his opinion. So forgive me if I said anything wrong, but based on what I understand, to me, everything about being Indigenous has to do with the land. And that's not just some romanticized kind of like, oh, we are of the land. It's like the food that my family eats, the cacao that my auntie picks and makes chocolate out of, the indigenous words of the places we live in. Like all of that comes from the land, our diet, our clothes, the animals that are prevalent in our stories, um, our medicines, um, the way we live. Everything comes from the land. And so being a part of the land and doing land-based things is not just like this. It's not a fad. It's not a, a methodology. It's not like, oh, This person does intermittent fasting and this person does keto well this person does land-based like whatever. No, it's like It's an entire Way of being and existing that is intertwined with our spirit our culture our humor our Everything it's defined by everything. It's like no, this is this is who we are This is who we are as people so I think it's really important for me to say that before I go into the land-based stuff. Because to me, anything I've done land-based is like going back to who we are. And I mean who we are as humans. Like, it doesn't matter what part of the world you come from. There was some point of your ancestry where you were connected to the land. And we had to learn nature. We had to learn the stars. We had to learn the seasons. We had to learn where things grow, when they grew. We had to learn about the predators, and we had to learn about the prey. You'd learn all these things. And so, yeah, to me, going to the land is like waking up after a bad dream. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, there you are. That's who you are. That's who I am. You know. I remember as a youth worker, because the term in youth work they use is land-based intervention. So I I did lots of contracted work doing stuff like that. We would take these super street-entrenched youth, like the most gang-related, addicted to fentanyl, foster kid, never ever left East Vancouver or Surrey their whole life, like just hardcore, what would be called like level three high-risk youth type stuff and uh we would bring them out onto the land and after a few days you would just like the first few days they would be like either withdrawing or you know if it wasn't off of drugs and alcohols like withdrawing off of not being on social media or their wi-fi or apps or anything they'd be kind of grumpy and whiny and then after a couple days, you just see them blossom, just explode with, with color and vibrancy and humanity and love and, and intrigue and interest and inquisitiveness. And it was that. There you are. That's who you are. This other person that you are in the city um, when you're surrounded in this concrete jungle where your feet can't touch the dirt, you know, that's not who you are. You know, that's like this perverted, twisted thing that this shell that we've had to become in order to survive. You know, this we have to become colder and harder than the environment around us in order to survive. And that's not who we are. And when you go out into the land, those layers get peeled away. And especially with these kids, man, these kids, they just... They just come out of their shells, and it's the most, in youth work, it's the most powerful and the quickest change you will ever witness. Like, I've worked with youth where we spent years and years and years and years trying to shift paradigms from that I'm a fucking gangster street kid or i don't trust anybody or blah 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 and then you take kids like that on a 10-day canoe journey on the land and within a couple of days you see the same level of change that in the city could take us years to do and still not be successful it's like instantaneous it's like magic you know and Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, it's powerful, right? The land is powerful, that's who we are. The land is not something separate from us, but people have forgotten that. We have this, being in a city is like forgetting and being on the land is like remembering.
0: Legendary giant Noradea, or HK, AKA Higher Knowledge, creator of the Foster kids Survival Guide. His latest album, *The Knowledge of Good and Evil*, was released September 23rd. Get it wherever you listen. You've been tuning in to Raven Debriefs. We appreciate. Prince of Wales are mariners, educators, entertainers, scientists, and conservationists. Their family-owned and operated whale-watching business, Raven, are so grateful for the contribution they made so we could have an amazing aquatic festival supporting Indigenous justice. Shout out, Prince of Wales! You've been tuning in to Raven debriefs. We appreciate every rating and read every review. Take care of each other and catch you next time.
1: Came from the dark, but light is in my entity. You wanna mention me by everything i ever been.